This is Right From The Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Erin Taylor-Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? Right. As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you, encouraging you and equipping you to find your truest story in the deep places. Get our show notes and more, including a free audio download on how to safeguard your writer's heart at writefromthedeep.com. Hey, guys, here's what's happening over here in Right From The Deep World. Yes, well, first, thanks to our patrons on Patreon. And if you're wondering what we mean by that, if we keep saying that, Patreon is a platform that enables creatives to get paid. You guys, it does take time and money to put together these podcasts and pay for the hosting. So our patrons on Patreon are contributing to the show, and they're truly helping make this podcast possible. If you're interested in that, you can find out more information at patreon.com slash right from the deep and it's patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n and special thanks to our may sponsor of the month stacy mcclain Yay, Stacey. thanks so much to you stacy we appreciate you know that we're keeping you and your book project in our prayers and asking god for his guidance and blessing yes and another exciting thing is that we have a sponsorship from the novel marketing podcast with host thomas umstead jr and guys i love this podcast we highly recommend it you can find it at novelmarketing.com or in your favorite podcast app and in the sponsorship we're bringing you Novel Marketing's 10 Commandments of Book Marketing. And this week, we're talking about commandment number five. Thou shalt not dig thy well whilst thou art thirsty. (laughs) Try saying that three times fast. You know, it takes money and time to develop your craft and build your platform. A successful writing journey isn't an overnight trip. You know, guys, there are no overnight successes. Those overnight successes have been working hard for years and years. So don't fall prey to anyone who promises that it is. You have to plan ahead and work at a pace you can sustain over the long haul. So be leery of anyone who offers you an instant audience for a price or instant sales. (laughs) If they're lying to you about that, they'll lie about other things. (laughs) And all they want to do is take your money. So don't let them take advantage of your desire to make a quick profit from your writing. Just remember, this is something you're in for the long haul and you have to work on your craft and perfect it. That's right. And create a budget, right, for both you and your time and your money, no matter how small the amount is, and stick to it. Don't go into debt and don't bet the farm, okay? You want to invest, and that's the best way to ensure steady growth over the long term. So for more book promotion and platform help, listen to Novel Marketing in your favorite podcast app or at novelmarketing.com. We've also been sharing wonders with you each time that we do this uh, introduction, and the wonder is mine today. And I actually had the wonder happen this morning while Aaron and I were talking and preparing this exact podcast. I was online and I was looking through scripture to put into the podcast. And as always happens for me when I'm reading through scripture, um, it just comes alive. I'm I'm constantly amazed, although I shouldn't be because it's the living Word of God. Right. But still, in my humanity and my limited understanding, I'm constantly amazed at the way that the Word of God reaches out and takes hold of my heart and spirit, and I find myself choking up or, or wanting to shout hallelujah or, or drawn to prayer and even driven to prayer at times by the conviction that I feel because of those words of truth and life. Um, I just want to encourage encourage you, spend time in Scripture, and let that wonder, the wonder of the living Word of God, fill you. 
And now, here's the show. Welcome, listeners. Welcome to the deep. We're glad that you are here with us. And guess what? We recently heard from one of our new listeners that the hardest thing for her about this task of writing was balancing between her day job and time to write. And I thought, wow, have we never done an episode specifically about that? Apparently, we have not. We need one. So here we are doing one. So like many struggles on the writing journey, it helps us, Aaron and me, to hear and learn from each other's experiences. I think that there's good scriptural foundation for that. Consider Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So with that in mind, we sent an email out to other authors for their feedback, which we'll be sharing with you today. And because Aaron and I both have had times when we've been working full-time jobs while we're writing, we'll mix in some of our own thoughts as well. Right. But let's start with Christina, Christina Sinisi, who works as a professor. She had this to say, Schedule your downtime, set boundaries, and be flexible. I know these may seem contradictory, but they're real. I schedule my work time, including grading at home, so I have a built-in nap. Yay for that. (laughs) Outdoors time, etc. I even schedule expected times for meals. That way, I don't run out of time and discard important things. And then I protect those times. Students would seek help at all hours in this digital age, but I have cutoffs and stick to them. And I love that idea of setting boundaries and protecting them. My husband's a professor, too, so I can testify that students do, in fact, seek help at all hours. There's going to be some email at 1030 at night about an assignment due at 11. (laughs) Always. It's like my husband, you know, has nothing to do 24-7 but look for their emails, you know. But the same thing can happen for you guys with your coworkers, your boss, or whatever. If you answer that email on Saturday afternoon or at 10 o'clock instead of waiting till you get back to work, you're training people to expect that. And then it's really hard to retrain them or not feel guilty when you want to set boundaries. Obviously, you know, emergencies happen and there are, you know, jobs that require you to be on call, but you get the idea. Christina goes on to say, finally, I allowed myself leeway. It's the end of the semester and I didn't write for my fiction yesterday and that's okay. I'll make it up when the semester is over. Priorities have to shift depending on needs while maintaining health and faith. Right. That's so good to keep in mind and to stay flexible, even when those shifting priorities have unexpected results. Sometimes the shifting priorities, they do. They feel like a juggling act. But if we can have that flexibility and not be frustrated because we're just, you know, moving things around, that saves our emotional energy for writing when we do have time. And let's face it, we need to save the emotional energy. Linda Harris shares this with us. When I was employed by the U.S. Department of Education, the work and environment was structured and rigid. I write historical fiction, so my lunch hour was one hour, no exceptions. If I stayed in my office, I was open to interruptions and work-related issues. I found a place out of my assigned area where I could work in relative quiet. My first five published novels were before personal computers and work equipment was off limits. Hmm. I transcribed my noontime writing to the home typewriter. We lived in the country so I could dictate to my handheld recorder on the way home. Mm 
A commercial dictaphone machine made the transcribing go faster. Knowing shorthand was a plus. Even knowing a few basic strokes and abbreviations for characters would help today when pencil and paper are the only tools available. I love the dedication this shows. Linda made a workaround for so many of her challenges, and she goes on to say this. I learned to write in scenes instead of chapters. Scenes were easier to rearrange and develop than full chapters. Staying in point of view is easier in scenes. Dividing into chapters later was a snap. A detailed outline, while time-consuming to create, kept me on track. I added historical notations to the outline to keep the flow and not miss an important point. Since time was premium, I allowed 15 minutes to gather my gear and get to my writing spot, and another 15 to gather my gear, get to my office, and be ready to work. Wow, she had a lot of strict things here, you guys. Obviously, she says all minutes saved during these 30 minutes were added to writing time. Fast forward to laptops and computers and marvelous programs like Scrivener, Autocrit, etc. And the production is streamlined. You know, Linda did a great job optimizing her writing time to make the most of it. So think about your own job and the flow of your day. Are there ways you can optimize your time, routines you can establish to help make the most of it? Linda ends her tips with this. God is the ultimate redeemer of my time spent writing for him. Gosh, that's a wonderful reminder that the burden of accomplishing this task doesn't rest on us, but on him. God has given you this task, and he will enable you and bring his purposes to fruition. Jessica White offered these tips. It's 100% about making the most of small times, the in-between moments, plotting while you wait, using an app like Otter so it transcribes your thoughts and you have a template to start with. Also, just knowing yourself and how you write so you can find prime time. For example, my brain is more relaxed at night, so I can free write first drafts then, but don't ask me to edit. But if I try to draft in the morning, my inner editor makes it slow and painful. (laughs) Working with myself instead of against myself is the key for me. Mm, I love that. I love it because it's another way to optimize your time, right? You're being more efficient with the time you have if you can pick your most creative times to write. And I realize that not everyone can do this because you might need to be at your day job during your most creative time. But in that case, you know, try some of those other tips, take some quick notes or during your break time, write or your lunchtime or whatever, and then try to save that same creative time in the day for the weekends or your days off. And also work to find your second best creative time. Hmm. That's that's just the way it's going to have to be for some of us. Jessica continues, and just being realistic about how much it's going to take to write a book helps. For me, it's about an hour a page from first draft to editor's desk. So if I need a 90,000 word book, that's going to be about 360 hours. If I could only give it an hour a day, then it will take me a year. As an editor for major publishing houses, I can tell you how important it is to turn your manuscript in on time. (laughs) If you have a schedule, you need to understand how long it's going to take you to write a book and be realistic. Don't think to yourself, I can do more than that. And then suddenly find yourself so far behind that you get discouraged. You've got to make sure you're not signing a contract with an unrealistic deadline that's going to cause you stress or cause you to produce less than your best effort because you ran out of time. Right. 
And guys, your editor can tell. <laughs> your editor yeah. knows when that happens. Absolutely. <laughs> Kelly Scott shared this with us. My biggest tip is using the Google Docs app on my phone. Every time a scene came to mind or I had an idea, I could quickly write it out while I was sitting at my work desk. I would also designate Saturday mornings and Sunday afternoons to write. Kathleen Barbo Turner offers this advice. First, for writers employed full-time outside the home, if you spend all your free time wishing you had more time to write, you'll never find the time to write. Mm -hmm. I cringe when I think about the time I wasted on evenings and weekends wishing I didn't spend eight hours of every weekday as a paralegal at a law office. You know, I really love this because Paul gives us the foundation to deal with this discontent in Philippians 4, 11 through 13. He says, for I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. Mm -hmm. I know know how to be brought low, and I know how to be abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Hmm. Spending time, wasting time on discontent and wishing reality was different than it is, is just drawing creative energy away from what God has given you the task to do. Don't do that. Kathleen has clearly learned this principle She goes on to say, then I remind myself how stressed I was when I was depending on hit or miss royalty payments and book advances to pay bills that came every month, no matter what. (laughs) We've all been there. She said, I really do like being a paralegal. It uses the other side of my brain. And though I can't write about our cases or clients, it does spark ideas just being out in the world that I don't have when I was home writing all day. You know, God knows exactly what we need. He knows where we need to be and how we need to be there to accomplish the tasks he's given us. And you can rest in that. Right. And I love what she says about sparking ideas. I I totally agree with that. Part of what builds creativity is taking in stimuli from all kinds of sources around you and then finding new connections and new ways to solve problems. You never know. You might have written your character in a corner and something you see at work, a person, a situation sparks your idea. You make a connection and you get write him out of that corner. (laughs) So as far as how to manage the writing time, Kathleen says, first of all, ignore the urge to lament what you don't have time for and make a plan for the time you do have. Your plan can be a writing schedule or just an acknowledgement that you've got a certain number of hours today and using those hours to do something productive and writing related. She goes on to say, the best thing I did, other than learning how to write anywhere, including but not limited to cars, airplanes, and waiting rooms, was to get my priorities straight. God first, my daily reading before work happens, no matter what. Amen to that. She goes on to say, if I can sneak some writing time in before I leave for the office, I do it. When I get home from work, I'm usually tired. We don't break for lunch at my office. So after dinner, I'm ready to throw myself on the sofa and watch mindless TV with hubby. So I do. Yep, I do. But only for a predetermined amount of time. I don't have children at home now, but I started writing when my eldest was four. I think writing with children around us is great training for writing with a job. You just get on with it. Do Mm. the work. Manage as best you can. But above all, protect your time, your faith, and your creativity. God will give you the ability. You just have to ask. But you've got to listen to his response. 
I love that because our ability really does come from God, and you have to protect your time with God. Sometimes in the midst of all the busyness of life and writing, what we need most is to stop moving and be quiet before God for even even just a few minutes and let Him wash over us. Let Him be our rest. Let Him refill our well take time where we're not trying to create, we're not trying to speak, we're not trying to do anything but soak in the awareness of His presence and His majesty. You might be surprised at how refreshing that can be. Listen to these two Psalms. Psalm 62.5 says, Rest in God alone, my soul, for my hope comes from Him. In Psalm 23, 1-3, this is the um, NIRV version Um, New International Reader's Version, I think that is. I like the way they translate this. The Lord is my shepherd. He gives me everything I need. He lets me lie down in fields of green grass. He leads me besides quiet waters. He gives me new strength. You know, when I worked a full-time job as well as being a writer, I had a a special difficulty because my full-time job was in publishing. As many of you know, I headed up fiction lines for Tyndale and three other of the major publishers in Christian publishing. And I worked with books all day long, and I was editing and brainstorming and doing all those things with writers. So my whole world was about writing and story and, and all of the things that I knew and needed to do as a writer, but I was working as an editor, it took me a while to realize that they were two different hats for me. Um, They're two different functions of the brain. One is more of a collaborative, synergistic action, and that's the editing. And in that, I would use one part of my brain. But then when it came to just letting the right side of the brain play, that's when I went into writing. So I had to shift, which I used the drive home. We had about a 45-minute commute to work. And so I would, on the drive home, I would decompress from the day and then prepare myself for or when I got home, the writing session. Mm-hmm. And I, I had set times for dinner when I got home and Don and I would spend a little time together. But I also had a bedroom set aside as my office. And when I went into that bedroom to do the writing work, then he knew not to come in and try and talk to me unless it was some kind of an emergency, like a severed artery, a protruding <laughs> bone, you know, something that was seriously an emergency. And and I had a set amount of time that I spent in there. Um, I had to be careful not to go in there when I couldn't sleep, not to go in there when I was frustrated, not to use that room other than for just sitting and entering into the phase and the work of writing because I needed to protect the space as well as protect what I did in there. Linda Goodnight wrote this. When I first began pursuing publication, I taught school and had three active children at home. In addition, I was working part-time as a home health care nurse. So yes, time was tight. I specifically remember brainstorming scenes as I was driving between patient homes each evening and on weekends. I kept a notepad on the seat next to me, and when I stopped, I'd jot down snatches of conversation or whatever brainstorm I'd had. I was never good at speaking into a recorder. Frankly, during those days, I was so compelled to write that I literally always had a pen and a paper. (laughs) To me, the whole time management thing is about priorities. We find time for the things we really want to do. I hear people say they're going to write a book when they get time, which means they probably never will. 
You know, we all say that. I didn't have time. I don't have time. Blah, blah, blah. And yet we have time. I know I have time to sit and watch a movie on TV. If if I have something else that's a higher priority, then I need to put that in place of what is mindless activity and not accomplishing anything. Although I want to give you all permission to involve yourself in mindless activity because there are times when our brains and our creativity need that. Linda shared these specific tips that helped her. Set a specific goal. Mine was publication by a major publisher, which meant producing full manuscripts, and I was obsessed with making it happen. A very successful New York Times author told me early on that successful writers aren't necessarily the most talented, they're the most persistent. I found that to be true. She also says, always have a pen and paper with you or a recording device. Write down that clever bit of dialogue. If you don't, you'll forget it and be mad at yourself. And the thing that I use, this is Karen now, is notes on my iPhone because I can dictate to it. And then I can go back later and try and interpret what the dictate thing <laughs> right. in the note. But it, it sparks enough creativity and, and memory that I can then write that scene. Linda also says, write when waiting at a doctor's appointment, when a child is at sports practice, while dinner is cooking, etc. But don't write at traffic lights. People honk. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the same as what Kathleen said too, Kathleen Ibarbo, about writing anywhere. You know, you just have to prioritize. That's something else that Linda shared. There are things you can let slide and some you can't and shouldn't. The sock drawer doesn't have to be organized, friends. Say it with me. <laughs> But kids need you, and they grow up fast. I admit to letting my windows get dirty and not vacuuming my car as often as I needed. Okay, everybody, collective gasp. (laughs) (laughs) But she goes on to say, I never miss church or any of my kids' many school activities. And believe me, that's far more important than getting a thought written down on paper. So... Her last tip was, look at your lifestyle. Where do you waste time? Playing games on your phone, TV, social media? Mine was TV, so I made 7 to 9 p.m. each night my designated writing time instead of watching TV. By blocking out those two hours, I consistently produced three to five books a year. Ooh, that is amazing. Becca Weirwell wrote this. I work as a kindergarten teacher. Okay, well, first of all, (laughs) my hat's off to you. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) She says, by the time I get home, my creative energy is often drained. Yeah, no surprise. She's got a room full of kindergartners all day long. She says, well, I do occasionally have time to write in the evenings. I've learned I can't count on it. My strategy this year has been to write in the morning before I leave for school. My daily goal is to write for at least 10 minutes. 10 minutes is enough to get me started. And once I'm into the story, I almost always write for longer than that. Sometimes the excitement from my morning writing time carries into the evening, and then I'm able to continue it later as well. Guys, what's so great about this is that Becca is setting herself up to succeed in her daily writing goal because wisely, she made it easy. (laughs) Anytime you're trying to develop a habit, you want to make it so easy that you almost can't not do it. And for a lot of us, getting our writing time going, the hardest thing is just getting it going. Get it started is the biggest battle. So if you tell yourself you only have to write one paragraph or one sentence or five minutes or 10 minutes, that gets you started. And then more often than not, you are off to the races. 
Becca goes on to say, revisions are a bit more difficult because I find I need larger blocks of time to get into a good rhythm for editing. So when I'm revising, I try to set aside time on the weekend or very intentional time in the evenings on weekdays. I used to do a word count goal for both writing and revising, and I know that works well for some people. But for me, a time goal has been more encouraging and less stressful overall, especially during the school year. Yeah, I'm with you, Becca. <laughs> a time <laughs> goal. It, it's like I'm a slow writer. So knowing I had to make a certain number of words per session or something, that made me self-conscious. But simply working for a time, that made it feel more freeing. And the key here for you guys is to learn what works best for you. So Robin Lee Hatcher, who we've had on this podcast, gives this advice. I wrote and published my first nine books over 10 years while working an eight to five job. She never worked anywhere that started at nine. <laughs> Most of that time, I was a single mom of two. I set myself a schedule and stuck to it. But I also, as a mom, had to be available to my daughters. So I had an open door policy. They could interrupt me anytime they needed me. I came home from work and fixed and ate dinner. Then I wrote from 7 to 9 p.m. on Monday through Thursday nights. Friday nights, Saturdays, and Sundays were reserved for family. Since most of those years, my girls were tweens and teens, they usually slept in on Saturdays, so I often got to write on Saturday mornings. The key, Robin says, is to think of it as a job, whether or not you're under contract. I believe that having a set schedule and a set writing place helps with discipline so that your brain knows when you sit down with your computer, it's time to write. When necessary, a writer can train her brain to switch from creating to dealing with family matters and then switch back again. It may not be ideal, but a writer really can learn to do it when it's necessary. Great thoughts. And Kara Putman offers this. Think clearly about what you will give up to make space and time for writing. For me, that was giving up TV. Guys, that's a common theme. Yes, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> I'm hearing that a lot. For me, that was giving up TV so that I could turn that time into writing time. She goes on to say, use tools like the Quill.io, which is a web version of the writing program that's similar to Scrivener, so that you can write from any computer to maximize pockets of time. Be consistent in writing each day or establish a routine that works for you. And last, she says, get buy-in from family that this is important and part of what you do. And that's true. Getting buy-in is really helpful. When I was homeschooling my kids, I would try to get all of the grading and the prep work done during the day when I was with them. And then after the school day, that was the time we agreed I'd be writing and they'd do their own thing. And it was easy to get buy-in for that because after having mom as teacher all day, they were frankly tired of me. <laughs> so, so, you know, think about the best ways to get buy-in from your family. And um, I should say, Kara, too, has a short video about this, and we'll link to that in the show notes in case you guys want to see that. So I know this has been a lot of information. We've gone a little longer today than we usually do, but that's because there was so much good material to share with you. The thing that you need to remember, though, is all of these ideas and how these other people do things, these are things to inspire you and encourage you to help you get a springboard to jump into figuring out your own way of writing. They are not 
for you to compare yourself to others. They are not for you to say, oh, I, I don't do that and I'm not doing it right. And, and go off down on that path where you're looking at what others are doing and you feel like a failure because you're not doing even close to what they are. Friends, you are not allowed to compare yourself to anyone but yourself. You need to focus on what works for you. And these ideas are to help you figure that out. Remember, Colossians 3.17 tells us, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Don't let yourself feel guilty. Don't let yourself struggle. Don't let yourself worry about whether or not you can do this. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. You weren't called necessarily to be a writer. God gave you a task to be a writer, but you're called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed or on computer or speaking to your phone or making notes, whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let this encourage you. Let this be an inspiration for you. And let it remind you that if God has given you this task, he'll help you figure out how to do it. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. You can find previous episodes and more resources at rightfromthedeep.com. And I bet you know someone who needs this podcast, so please share it with them. So until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same. Thank you.